0: you redheads one that went to dover talking about racing
1: hey this is jason schultz along with andrew curland did you get to meet miles the monster i did he was he was a lot bigger than i expected he was a little quiet though on sunday didn't really cause much chaos quiet three playoff drivers hit the garage i'm saying like my like miles a monster being this destructive beast is supposed to destroy race cars with giant backstretch wrecks that didn't happen
0: uh yeah we saw a different dover race but i think the playoff drama was definitely there for like two laps nah i disagree i I
1: think he was there the whole time we'll get more into this a little bit you went to dover for the first time ever dover was the first race i ever went to in september 2005 and then went back for about four or five straight years when I was at the end of my high school time, I loved Dover, such a cool place, so many unique views and just like a cool racetrack and a cool area and a cool town.
0: Yeah. No wonder that was your first race. Like no wonder you became a NASCAR fan because I thought and my dad and I have the same consensus that Dover's one of the coolest places to watch a race from. You can literally walk around and find a billion different views on like different ways to see the race. And it's so mm-hmm. cool. Um, And I'm sure it's just like Bristol. I've never been to Bristol, but I would assume it's kind of the same setup where you're actually, like, sunken down under the cars in the infield. They're, like, racing on top of you. That was so cool to see because you kind of look up, and it's just a wall of race cars, especially on a restart. That was spectacular.
1: Would you agree that it was the loudest infield you've ever been in during a race? See,
0: I wouldn't really be able to know because I had my earbuds Mm. in the whole time like you told me that i'm like i don't even want to
1: risk it but it's just like interesting but it it,
0: it did seem loud from the standpoint of i listened to mrn during the race and i had to turn the volume up significantly more so i can just hear mrn
1: so it definitely was louder it's kind of like a bowl shape so all the noise kind of amplifies itself in the infield pretty crazy
0: yeah it was cool and, and especially my favorite place to watch was in the Cup Garage. Watching them exit turn two and kind of going up the hill Mm -hmm. into the backstretch, that was so cool. And um, one thing you don't know, one thing you don't see on TV as well, but during Green Flag Stops, when they're merging off the pit road, it is so tight of them coming off pit road, merging on the backstretch versus the cars barreling past them. It's like I have no idea how there aren't more crashes just on pit road exit. That, That was something that really surprised me.
1: Anything else cool you saw did over the weekend? I had some obscure
0: interviews. With a llamas? did two, yeah, two blindfold games. One was with Larson, one was with Boyer. That was, it was an alpaca or a llama? What's the difference? Do you know? Because we were trying to figure that out. Llama gifts huh? are my favorite. Okay, what's the difference between a llama and an alpaca, yet. though? I
1: love llamas, though.
0: Was what I had a llama or an alpaca?
1: I don't know, but I sent you a gif of a llama
0: so clint thought it was an alpaca i thought it was a llama and in that situation the driver's always right kind of like the customer's always right driver's (laughs) like all right if you think that's an alpaca i'll i'll roll with you on that so and it was kind of funny we were doing the blindfold game both blindfold games were like notable we were doing it with clint and we knew before like he's kind of in the middle of two things he had an interview with fox before and then it was us. And then he had a sponsor meeting. And afterwards, or like right at the end of the interview, and you'll hear it when I post it, he's like, you see that, those people over there? Those are my sponsors. I look ridiculous <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's kind of funny to, to
1: see that. I'm um, yeah. getting news. of We have a breaking news report from outside. Let's go to Clint Boyer, who's currently outside. Clint, what do we got? I can't see anything. Total blackout. Oh, my God. It's, it is it?
0: nighttime when we're recording this Podcast yeah,
1: that's crazy <laughs> that, was,
0: that was what he said as soon as He put the blindfold on I'm like yeah no duh Boyer it's it's you're not supposed to see anything That's the premise of the game so he was A good sport about that and then Larson So we had a tight Schedule on Saturday We were going it was David Reagan Austin Dillon Kyle Larson Chris Rebel in the span of about 45 minutes So it was kind of back to back to back to back so we get to Larson and we have about 15, 20 minutes to do it before we go to Bell. and it was an uh, interview scheduled for 50. I think it was 12:50 and Christopher Bell is at 1 o'clock or 105, something like that. but not a whole lot of time. So we're waiting outside Larson's bus, and Davis, just PR guy, we were chatting about college and stuff, and you know, fifty hits, and we're like, "All right, we're waiting on Kyle." He's a little bit behind. Davis is like, "Let me go check on him." So he he's like standing in the middle of the bus, and the exit of the um in the doorway, he's like, "Sorry, Kyle's finishing his Rubik's cube."
1: <laughs> I'm glad he's really focused on what he's doing at the racetrack.
0: I know. And my dad and I both look at each other like. That's awesome. That's and you one. just like picture Kyle Larson like so focused on a Rubik's Cube, and Davis is like, Yep, yeah, this is a new thing, apparently. <laughs> so, as soon as he comes out and like, How's the Rubik's Cube going? He's like, You know, I can start it, but I can't finish it. This is what Kyle Larson said. So, you I thought that was really
1: fascinating. So, he didn't have to talk to you. He's like, If I really get into this Rubik's Cube, I think he'll just go away. I don't even have to interview him.
0: No, Kyle was great, and his blindfold game was a lot of fun, too. And I posted that picture on Twitter of him wearing the mask, and it, it just looks really funny. So, um, that's what I
1: got on Kyle. Wow, fun. Um, all right, I think we can get to the racing from Dover over the weekend. I think this may turn into one of our epic debates on when we're on either okay. side. So, we'll set the premise here, and I'll probably... Provide misleading statistics to benefit my perspective, but as you do, Dover (laughs) International Speedway, October. Just kidding. So, Dover is a great track. I love Dover, it's one of my favorite tracks. It produced some epic racing in 2016. When, if you remember, Kyle Larson, Matt Kenseth, Chase Elliott had a really epic battle in the um, spring race that year. That was my first one covering as a media member, and it was like Larson and Kenseth battling for like 40 50 laps side by side it was awesome and then that was the um low downforce package that was the year where it was like the first significant decrease in downforce and it was epic like the racing that year was really good dover benefited greatly from that package and i think i can't remember exactly what happened in 2017 but there were some more really good finishes in racing and last year's race was pretty good too with chase Elliott winning and all the battle like chase Elliott and kyle bush battled one year and stuff like Dover's had some really good racing the last couple of years. This current aero package absolutely sucks at Dover. It's produced no one could pass. They're barely lifting. Like anything that makes Dover exciting was taken out the window. And this is not just Jason's perspective on this. This is this is the greater NASCAR industry's perspective on the race. On Door Bumper Clear today, Brett. TJ, and we had Chris Rice from Colleague Racing on, all agree that Dover wasn't one of the worst races they have ever been a part of. After 20 laps, they're like, there is no, like, Brett was joking that, you know, it'd be nice if Richard Petty was, you know, winning by seven laps. It'd be way more exciting than what we saw there today. After the race, Jimmy Johnson tweeted that, I remember a day when you could pass with a faster car. That was not today. Like, that's just a general principle of racing. If you have a faster car, you can get past someone, but that literally did not happen because there was no ability to pass. If you're on the gas so much, you can't pass. If you're um, just running around wide open, like you're not gonna be able to pass anyone because no one's lifting, no one's getting off the gas. The only time when you saw passes were when lap cars just got in the way in the middle of everything. And of course that's part of it, and that can be exciting, but it's just not anything that entertaining when Jimmy Johnson, the King of Dover, saying that you can't pass on this track that he loves, something's wrong. Clint Boyer, I texted this to our group chat earlier. Um, Chris Rice mentioned this on DBC, that he, Boyer said this on the radio after um, the race yesterday. He says, that might have been the worst race I have ever been in in NASCAR. Like, that's a pretty bold statement from a driver who finished 10th in a race. So I know you're going to, argue why Dover was great and in person Dover is a lot more fun to watch in person I will agree with that I've been to like five or six races there but there was nothing interesting about the racing we saw on Sunday rant over
0: that's fair and I will say that this is skewed because I was there and I think a lot of the reason why I was entertained was because it was being at the racetrack and watching that I will say I I found the playoff implications for logano chase elliott and blaney that to be really interesting and i think it was cool because i was i was in the garage during all three i was literally standing in turn one in the cup garage before the race started and all of a sudden you hear like joey logano slow off the pace so i walk over sure enough i see the 22 crew sprinting in the garage then i see logano barreling through like way faster than you would see him enter the garage during practice you could tell there was urgency there um then you hear about Chase Elliott. I see the nine team pushing that car in the garage. Then they're talking about Blaney later on in the race. I go and so it was cool watching the race unfold in front of me. I, that's what I found was really interesting. Um, but and then I also liked watching MRN did a good job describing larson working through the traffic and at a point where larson struggled so much and this again comes to passing struggling the past 14 car that true x was closing and it was cool visually seeing like larson had more than a straightaway then Truex closed it to about a straightaway if not half a straightaway that i found was entertaining watching at the track but i could mm-hmm. totally understand if i were to watch it on tv i think i'd have a different story
1: all of that happened in like a couple minutes worth like the race is multiple hours long so those moments a couple minutes worth of moments versus the roval when that's that's was an amazing race like stuff happened throughout it it kept building and then finish was just epic but like dover nothing happened you're right it was it was a track position race if you had good track position yeah. you were basically set. so that I package agree that. absolutely sucks at dover we're gonna have to deal with it for two more races next year and then brett mentioned this Feeling bad for the fans who paid hundreds of dollars for tickets who sat there and watched that race where they had three cautions. Truthfully, I can't remember them being more than one pass for the lead on track during the race. And that was just because some guys got stuck in traffic and couldn't get by traffic and then that's how they caught up. But there was no passing for the lead during the race. It was just crazy. Like no one was passing anyone. And then the playoff trouble was, you know, that was something interesting that came out of the race but it was very much um luck based versus attrition like attrition where you run a whole race and things happen throughout the race and you just have to deal with stuff but logano's like just having an axle break or whatever before the race that's just random luck it's like not nothing in the race caused that and then he was like multiple laps down throughout the race and everyone complained about him racing people too hard and then we should talk about that too that'd be a good topic and then um, Chase was just a random engine issue, and then Blaney's just like a just random luck issues versus things happening in the race that kind of caused those problems. Um, we don't have to dwell on this even more, but one topic that's pretty interesting that NASCAR announced this past week that we're running the same aero package all next year. Same one. Intermediates has been great this year. Better. It's been improved. Restrictor plates have been great. Not restrictor plates anymore. I guess super speedways. But short tracks, road courses in Dover's have sucked. They've been worse than ever. The racing's been boring. Bristol wasn't terrible, but like racing has NASCAR sacrificing the short track road course product for the betterment of the intermediates. I don't know if that's the right move to make and they're doubling down on it for next year and potentially the future.
0: No, you're right. And
1: Troubling, it's very troubling.
0: It is the wrong direction because we talk about, especially last year, how awesome the short tracks and road courses were. I remember every single short track and road course race, there'd be a tweet from Junior or or some driver saying, We need more short tracks, we need more road courses. But this is just the opposite direction we're going in, and we'll have to see. Obviously, they're testing the 2020 2021 gen seven or next gen car this week so we'll have to see what comes with that i i think obviously
1: they have a lot right i on think the car. problem
0: is they're so focused on 2021 2020 is just a transition year
1: but you know they're the not going to
0: do some big cost cost yeah. um you know expensive yeah. change for a year to improve the racing they are going to take the cost effective route The racing will suffer at the tracks again, but they're not going to change anything up because
1: they're they're all eyes forward on Gen 7. But when you're going a year-to-year battle of trying to maintain fans and not lose fans and try to grow ratings and try to reinvigorate the sport, just basically saying that we're just going to throw this year out and not really try to make the product better because we're trying to focus on future changes that may or may not work like it's
0: long term versus short term vision i think nascar's like they are in the long term and it, it and to be fair suffering it the takes, it takes a long time to turn the sport around like what they're trying to do yeah. you can you can tell the nascar is trying to turn the sport around and make it something different
1: In these dire years when you can't afford to lose any more traction not really putting the effort forward to make the product better than it was a year before. It's not worth it. Like, you can leave the package of the intermediate tracks next year, fine. But change, try to change something for the short tracks. Try not to make Dover such a boring race. Like, Dover... There was, like, the carnage. Dover was always so associated with carnage, and no one wrecked. There was three cautions, the least amount, in, since I was alive. Like, 1997 was the last year they had less than three cautions. And it's just... I don't, like how they're sacrificing that potential for you know kind of keeping interest right now of course you want to focus on long term but you're going to sacrifice a lot right now and i don't think it's i think you need to focus put something put some effort forward to about right now and try to work on that while also focusing on the future
0: yeah i think it's I do truly think it it comes down to money. I don't think it's lack of effort. I think it's... We've talked so much, and we're talking about next year, how there are already crew members coming forward on on social media saying that their last race is going to be Homestead because their position's no longer going to be available at track because NASCAR's cutting down the roster for how many crew members can be on the road. Everything to try and save teams money because they need it Mm. the most. I just think that's... if, If they had... The option and if 2021 was something that was happening maybe in 24 25 we would most likely see a change because I mean up until this year we've had some pretty significant package changes year by year I mean every single year when it would come out there was always something different something different to be talking about but this is the most identical package from year to year than I've seen since watching the sport. And I truly think it's because, and maybe I don't remember, but it could have been like a 2012, 2011, very similar. I think it's just, they are focusing on gen seven. And it's unfortunate that we have to sacrifice a year, but I think that's what they're doing.
1: The money issue is interesting because this is a not just a NASCAR thing. This is a pro sports thing. When you tell organizations or teams how to spend money or saying you can only spend this amount, here and this amount there, they're gonna find ways to spend that same money elsewhere. They're not gonna be like, no, we're just not gonna spend this amount of money. Like we're just gonna put it away and not spend it. They're gonna spend. Well, it here's elsewhere. the
0: thing, and this is, I think this is actually something that teams are asking for, and teams are literally, I I almost recall I don't remember where I read it or something, but it's almost like Rick Hendrick or or Roush from erasing Richard Childress. They're like, listen. We're going to spend as much money as we can if there's no regulations. But if you can put everyone on the same playing field, if we're forced to spend less money, we're going to spend less money. Is how it works. They're
1: not really telling them you can only spend this amount of money here. They're saying we're going to eliminate positions, so you're saving money, you know, maybe in salaries. But they're going to take that money that that NASCAR is trying to cut and save in certain areas, and they're just going to apply it to different areas. They're not going to just not spend that money. That's the problem. And... That's, that's true but you look you look they cut money.
0: back at, and that's that's a good point but you know they cut back on testing and win tunnel time and, and that is just, stuff that you just can't get back in that but, area but again i know you reapply it somewhere else but that's how else would you do it that's nascar's you, effort they are putting to, an effort out there to help the teams not, out well
1: it's not working like it. it's not going to produce the ultimate result that they want Not that they've talked about this lately and I forget what people's general opinions are on a salary cap for leagues and teams. I think that is probably the only way you can really tell them how much money you can spend and then not spend anywhere else. But I don't think that's very realistic for NASCAR.
0: No, it's not. And NASCAR is a different sport. Um, And we always look at this from the fans perspective and, and kind of the entertainment aspect. But, well, we don't necessarily look at. And again, I'm not saying NASCAR is doing everything perfect, but you also have to realize that they have a very difficult balance of making the fans happy with the product on the racetrack. But they also have to keep their teams and drivers happy, too.
1: But NASCAR in like the early 2000s, the, I don't know, the mentality was we're NASCAR. You're the team. We're going to tell you what to do. All this collaboration that's come up in that last 10 years. I don't know if it's good or bad. But the NASCAR of old was, we're going to tell you how things work, and you're going to abide by those rules. And that was, you know, I don't know. That was when NASCAR was awesome. It was great. And I feel like versus trying to ask the The teams what they want. The Bill
0: Jr. mentality of I tell you what to do. Which
1: worked so well. And it's like versus oh, what do y'all want? Like, tell us what y'all want versus we're going to tell you what we want and then you can go forward with that. The package is kind of the thing. Like, drivers have clearly voiced their frustrations all year long about this package not being what they like, not being kind of racing them like. And um, even Bubba Wallace on the Dale Jr. download state was like, I can't, like, I've said enough that the package sucks. I can't go further into that without getting in trouble. Like, the drivers all primarily agree that they don't like this package, but that's what NASCAR's is kind of, That's what they're going for. That's the direction they're going. But drivers aren't on board with that. And, of course, that kind of contradicts my point. Like, NASCAR should tell them what they want. But, like, in cases like that, you would think NASCAR would be, you know, smarter and know what is probably better for the racing. When you see what every other racing league in the world is going towards with, you know, less downforce, more horsepower versus the opposite way. And, I don't know. This is just so much.
0: I think we're. Part of it, too, is we just can't speculate quite yet on what's going to happen in 2021 because it, we do hear this is kind of the direction we're going, but we I think you just have to be watching with an open mind. I, frankly, did not like the idea at all about the packages, the mile and a half, and I've been very pleased with that product. So yeah. it took me but some time don't... for convincing, and I think I think we just need to see... 2021 product on track before we can really speculate yeah. too much
1: but then when dover like when dover sucks and it's a playoff race and it should be this really epic battle this time of the year and the racing is just not good it just kind of hurt like this is when the racing should be entertaining and awesome and dover just wasn't that and it was one of the worst races ever and it's kind of like this is the decisions that have been made you live and you
0: learn dover. that's the way i see it uh, i know I hope- we can we're not changing anything for next year but i i'm truly believe nascar's not just gonna sit on their hands be like oh well this is what we decided like they are they're in the same like they don't want the sport to fail like they're obviously working hard to make the decisions successful i know
1: all right want to move on
0: sure that was that was a good debate i don't know
1: it's just dover was not a good race and i really hope things the rest of the playoffs races go really well and are entertaining and fun to watch 'Cause I was watch primarily watching football yesterday. Like the races on were like nothing's happening. No one's passing anybody. Let's watch some football. Like that shouldn't be the and that's the other thing I was thinking about that the generic, like the general fan when they just kinda not just saying the general sports fan, but just like the casual fan that like watch likes to watch NASCAR every Sunday. Especially now in this rate this month of October, every single Pro Sports League has a game of some sorts, whether it's MLB playoffs or NHL starting up, NBA starting up the fight for attention of sports fans and just people watching TV on Sundays and stuff is so crucial right now that NASCAR can't afford just to have a boring product. Like, you can say, yeah, every not nah, every race is amazing, but, like, today, in today's climate, when everything matters and you need attention and you need to grab people, a race like Dover, flipping that on for 10 minutes, you're bored and you're going to turn it off. Like, there's nothing that could keep you compelled to watch that. And that's what NASCAR desperately needs is something compelling to keep people tuned in and um other and the nfl had that yesterday The nfl had great games yesterday i was so compelled to watch those games versus watch a race where it's just nothing's happening attention spans
0: yeah all right something i this is kind of random but something i learned that i don't think was necessarily broadcasted or, or or portrayed but um alex bowman was feeling under the weather at the roval And what I found out was part of the reason why he was like really not in a good condition after the race was because they went to a backup car and the backup car's fluid system did not work. So Alex Bowman did not get any fluids from his water bottle during the race. They had to cut holes and slips out of water bottles and hand it to him during pit stops. And he had to try and drink it out of a handheld water bottle because his fluid system wasn't working, especially on a hot day. You were there at Charlotte that is partially or major reason why alex bowman was not in a good i found that out i just i didn't know that so i thought that was interesting that'll do it there you go yeah you're welcome (laughs) that's that's my piece of information
1: thank you so insightful all right talladega let's talk about talladega quick because talladega is i love talladega Great races all the time, except last fall when SHR led the whole race in you know, a single-file whole race. I don't
0: think we're going to get there, though. Hopefully
1: that doesn't happen this year. But the unpredictability of how they got this race being in the playoffs and changing everything, like, we see the playoff grid how it is now. It could look totally different. Of course, the guys we you know with those cushioned playoff points are going to be fine. Like, Truex has, like, 60-plus points over the cutoff line. Like, he could wreck and be fine and still have, like, a 20-point advantage over...
0: I know they we talk about line. playoffs, but maybe this should just be a weekly thing, like playoff points. I'm just going to straight up say it like
1: they suck. suck. Yeah. Like, they're just not good. Exactly. We talked about that on DBC but today. But the
0: yeah. one exception, Logano is currently out right now on a tiebreaker with William Byron. But he also so. didn't have
1: a ton of playoff points going in. It was kind of like pretend he didn't. That's good Pretend point. everyone was even, he would be in a hole, which he probably deserves to be after having a problem on Sunday. Yeah. While guys who, like. Clint Boyer, here's an example. Finished tenth, had a pretty decent day. He's still below the cutoff line, like he's below Lagana. Like Lagana finished Bush, almost who had a dead last.
0: Worst day, yeah, is perfectly fine. Yeah,
1: and there's no worries. It's like that. Yeah. Sh- that would, shouldn't be how
0: it works. Since we're talking about both of these, I would fix playoff points before I would fix this package.
1: Because Playoff points is an easy fix. The package is a complicated mess to fix. Playoff points, like yeah, we're only like, carry points between. You know, get your playoff points first round, rest of the rounds, go forward, fight, contend, perform like you need to perform in every single race to win the championship. This playoff format doesn't allow you to do that, especially with playoff points.
0: Anyways, we talked about that. I still think Talladega should be the elimination race. I loved it when it was the elimination race. And it's like drivers hated it, but we're going to Daytona for the regular season season championship. Mm-hmm. We have the Roval right now as an elimination race, but next year we're going to have the Bristol Knight race as an elimination race. Put Talladega mm-hmm as race number three this round
1: i don't because it was like that for the first couple of years of the playoffs but guys were just it was way too much gaming going on of like if i'm 20 30 points above the cutoff line i'm just gonna hang in the back all day and not even race that was that that happened one year i forget what year it was the gibbs cars literally all hung out in the back of the field all day didn't race that was another reason playoff points they invented that idea because they just hung out in the back all day they were fine they were cruising they didn't need to do anything Just cruised the whole race, didn't even contend. You want guys up front contending. So having as a second race, you're not sure yet. You're kind of in an unstable position. Like you have another race left in the round. You really can't, like you can't afford to lose points. Like anyone, of course, the guys with the playoff points cushions, they can afford to lose some. But like most guys can't afford to lose points. So you just have to race and you need to gain points. Like you want to be in a good position going to Kansas, especially if you're within striking distance of that cutoff line. You want to be Okay. So this just being a second race allows guys to race and not really have to play any games strategies where like, oh, if I finish if I finish 30th, then I'm fine. So I'm just going to cruise in the back all day, miss any wrecks that could happen and just be fine. Like forcing them to race in the race at Talladega in the playoffs is important. I think that's what having it as a second race instead of the cutoff race does.
0: And I'm looking forward to seeing how this I know we're talking package. We were kind of ripping on it, but i Enjoyed the race at Talladega earlier this year. No, it was great. I really didn't watch much of Daytona because I wasn't there and was traveling. But
1: it to looked Bahamas. to me like it,
0: Daytona was a good race, right?
1: No, it was good. Play out the plate tracks so have I been think amazing this year. This but is a good change. Last year the playoff, I mean the plate tracks were amazing. Then we got to Talladega in the fall, and it was a team dominated. Which
0: I think I think that is something where we have learned from that and just teams aren't gonna allow it i think hopefully not ford and stewart haas racing had a great plan but now i feel like that is the baseline for teams at least going into it like i would be shocked if chevy and hendrick or or gibbs and toyota didn't have a very similar game plan as ford Mm. at talladega because they saw how important they was you have to both think offensively like let's do this for ourselves and then Defensively, like if we all do this, we can stop the other teams from dominating too. I yeah. don't think we see a repeat of that.
1: I have a prediction: we're going to see a lot of team strategy Sunday, and that's what we'll be talking about next week. But you know what? Nothing wrong with that. I like that. I'm
0: that's how it used to be. It. That's no, how it used didn't. to be, though. No, it didn't. Tandem racing—you would team up with your right. teammate.
1: That's nine you, times when you, when you're 10. like, how it used to be. You're thinking like 2010, 2011. I'm thinking like 2004, 2005. When it was like every man for themselves, <laughs> pack racing—it was awesome, but i think it'd be smart if toyota which has the least amount of cars of any manufacturer on the track partners with chevy and tries to beat the fords because the fords will be strong they have a hmm. big group that'd
0: be interesting we have but not seen that i think chevy toyota alliance there was one
1: race and there was a race it, there i um, can't remember if it was this year or last year where that happened where they try to outdo the fords by working together it might have been the daytona 500 this year i can't remember but they kind of worked together to pass the Fords, and it was great. It was I'll a great tell you,
0: strategy. the Fords, they always bring it. You look at Logano and Kozlowski and now the Stuart Haas cars, like they, you can't They're count strong. any yeah. of them out. They're very strong when it comes sure. to these
1: races. No idea what will happen this weekend. Hopefully it's exciting. Hopefully it's fun to watch. It'd be awesome if we get a surprise winner like an Alex Bowman or a William Byron or someone just coming who you don't really expect to make the next round, but a win at Talladega would propel them to the next round and – make it for a surprise contender for the championship
0: absolutely i love that larson won to kind of shake things up and that's a name we really haven't been talking about all year so it's cool to see him back in the mix all right where can they follow you on twitter follow me at andrew curlin tv at andrew curlin on instagram I ask where and follow you on instagram. if you're on fantasy you could see my name is the uh, new number two in our league i passed jason this I weekend hate
1: playoff fantasy it's way harder it's impossible like it. to pick which two drivers are going to do
0: well. I've been like I four for four so far on playoff fantasy. I I've been about. doing This weekend
1: good. will be very unpredictable. We'll either do great or suck, so we'll see.
0: mm Hmm. Where can they follow you? Hey oh, Jason
1: Schultz. Thanks for asking. Follow me at <laughs> heyjasonschultz on Twitter. Lots of great content. I'll be retweeting from Dirty Mo Media. That's pretty much all I do these days. But check that out. <laughs> and actually, I'm going to be working on putting together like a post from my website with all my content from charlotte mars speedway roval weekend so look for that hopefully i'll get that done this week
0: for sure um i'll be putting out some fun games got a lot of new content i have a new game coming out it'll be out in a few weeks it's called you tell me with bubble wallace so that hmm. should be fun
1: so i'm gonna turn the interview around so you can just tell me what you want me to hear you know i actually
0: got that piece of advice once i was it was it was a middle school pe teacher and i don't know how he was like so what kind of questions do you ask um i I started telling him he's like do you ever think about like turning it on them it's like listen we talk about this what do you want to talk about i'm like yeah sure i'm like that's bad idea that's dumb (laughs) (laughs) so i vetoed that but yeah i have gotten that
1: it's so insightful you're full of insight today
0: right thanks so much for listening to redhead racing radio we'll see you next week